welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 225th episode, our guest is Senator Todd Young. Todd Young is the senior United States Senator from the state of Indiana. Thank you to Senator Young and his staff, especially Indiana Communications Director Jay Kenworthy, for taking the time and helping to set this up. And now, on to the show. Thanks for taking the time today. I know that you're uh, super busy, so I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And and uh, I'd, I'd be with you by video if that's something you're looking for, but uh, our video's down. So anyway, oh. good to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's totally fine. Audio works for me. Um, but yeah, I uh, had a chance to talk to Governor Holcomb here last month, and or, uh, well, I guess it's February now, so two months ago, but um, I, and we talked about his trip to Taiwan, and I had mentioned the CHIPS Act as well. So I know you recently went to Taiwan as well. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Okay. Why was that important, and uh, what what did you find when you were there? And, and if you could explain a little bit for people that don't know about the CHIPS Act, because that was a bipartisan, pretty big piece of legislation that you had last year. Yeah, uh, thank you. So I'll start with the CHIPS Act, big picture, and then we can maybe dive into the Taiwan visit. But um, you know, the Chips and Science Act, uh, which is its longer title, uh, is designed to ensure that the U.S. leads the way when it comes to uh, the research, development, and ultimately manufacturing of 21st century mission-critical technologies. Uh, technologies like uh, semiconductors, um, uh, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, synthetic biology. These are areas that will uh, define, um, you know, the 21st century's economy in so many ways. And, and uh, we want to make sure that the U.S. is, uh, uh, you know, on the cutting edge of, of R&D and, and uh, that our companies are able to, uh, you know, be the leading companies in these fields. But they also have direct applications uh, towards national security. And so to the extent we're uh, not, you know, uh, upping our game in terms of innovation and, and manufacturing these, uh, these components uh, like semiconductors or, or uh, you know, quantum computers are able to uh, write the AI algorithms, then we're not ma- maximizing our ability to, uh, you know, defend our values and our way of life. So the Chips and Science Act makes these critical investments in our people so that they can work in these fields and research in these fields and then ultimately make things. Um, Most immediately, uh, we've seen that we need to make semiconductors and incentivize semiconductor manufacturing companies to locate on our soil. So uh, the Chips and Science Act dedicated $52 billion towards incentivizing these companies to locate here. One might say, well, why don't you just let the market work? Why not let the market, um, you know, uh, lead to these companies locating on, on our soil? Well, the challenge is uh, you have countries around the world that offer incentives uh, that make it uneconomical for uh, semiconductor manufacturing companies uh, to locate here as compared to other places. And so we have to be in the game. We have to entice those companies to locate here. And then there's an interruption in supply chains on account of, you know, global pandemic, as there has been over the last couple of years, or instead uh, a war or other national security event, then, uh, you know, we'll have enough chips to keep our modern economy going, moving forward. 
So that's what we accomplished. Now, why is Taiwan important? Taiwan is, is uh, adjacent to the Taiwan Straits. Uh, on the other side of the Taiwan Straits is uh, uh, communist China. And that is the uh, most trafficked trade route in the world. So, you know, all the goods that, that we like to ship out of the country and the many things we bring in uh, will rely on open trade routes, uh, the Taiwan Straits in particular, to, uh, you know, uh, send and receive those things. Also, Taiwan is ground zero for semiconductor uh, production. Back in the 1980s, they made a strategic bet to invest in this industry and to subsidize production in this industry, and they lead the world in high-end chips. In fact, the United States uh, doesn't make any of the really high-end chips used by our military. Our, our, our weapon systems, our radars, our supercomputers depend on Taiwanese-made chips, and uh, we need to build that capability back, and uh, we're in the process of doing that. But in the meanwhile, we need to make sure that uh, the CCP doesn't uh, make a run on Taiwan and uh, that we work with uh, uh, the Taiwanese to keep their island country safe because the global economy depends on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned artificial intelligence because that was absolutely something I wanted to get to here. Have you played with that chat GPT thing yet mm -hmm. at all? You know, I haven't played with it, but I, I've seen some of the uh, term papers written, and uh, I guess <laughs> right. I have too much pride to admit that a machine might occasionally write better than me, but well, sure, <laughs> uh, there, there certainly is a temptation, at least when one is tired and uh, not inclined to, you know, go through the hard slog of writing to to sub it out to a machine when they that writes it so well. So um, it's um, it's a little creepy, isn't it, Rob? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just see of artificial intelligence, you know, as this progresses, disrupting several major sectors of our economy that haven't really been, you know, affected by automation thus far. Um, it's I feel like it's going to completely reshape our society. And I'm, I'm talking about this to you, not just because you're my senator and uh, but because you're you're younger than about 90 percent of your Senate colleagues. So I feel like you might be able to get this here. But uh, I feel like Congress is often trailing far behind technology in terms of oversight. And this is moving very fast. So is there any regulation that Congress can offer for AI technology and the fallout for, you know, these white collar workers? And then my other thought is we're, we're talking about China. I don't see them restraining themselves in a similar way, even if we do something regulatory here in the U.S. And they're just going to keep going forward, I imagine. So how do you, you know, what, do you, what are your thoughts about all that? Well, I think your two reflections, and you'd probably concede this, are intention. That's the, that's the difficult part, yeah, right? On right. one hand, we feel uncomfortable with the disruptions occurring in the economy. But on the other hand, we acknowledge that, that probably, you know, the Chinese and other countries are going to move forward and, and embrace this. Uh, and uh, we don't want them to lead. So I, I, I think the best we can do at this point is to try and regulate away some of the worst excesses of the, this, you know, this technology. And those will have to be defined. We're still trying to get a sense of those. And you are correct. We always seem to be lagging uh, the latest uh, technological trends as, as, as uh, much as we might try to keep up, even the younger ones. Uh, 
but at the same time, we want to make sure that there's a, a sandbox, a regulatory sandbox that allows our, our best minds, our creative minds, our innovators to seize this terrain and say, you know what, uh, it might be a little uncomfortable, but, but uh, we want to do dominate this sector. We don't want the Chinese to, because uh, in the end, we can channel our innovation in a way that's more consistent with our values, uh, that doesn't bias against certain ethnicities or, or, or nationalities, like maybe the Chinese uh, innovation, uh, innovation would in this area. Uh, that isn't used for uh, nefarious ends, and 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 so um, I think we can we can do both of those things. It's going to take balance. Going to take some wisdom. But for starters, there's there's a few things we, you know, we 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 know that in order to develop the best AI algorithms, you need to have some of the best trained minds in computer science. We have the ability to train those minds uh, through our world class universities. Um, we have, uh, you know, you need motivated computer engineers. We, we have those, but you need computer chips. You actually need, uh, some of the best computer chips to crunch the algorithms at faster speeds so that they can learn at, from, from more data sets at a faster rate. And so, so that our, our AI can produce, you know, work products that are smarter than, the Chinese or others. And, and, and this gets back to semiconductors. They're like the critical input mm -hmm. for supercomputing, for AI, for machine learning, for so many other areas. And uh, this is why many people are referring to computer chips as, as more important than oil these days. You know, mm -hmm. oil is found many places around the world. It's a commodity. It's an essential input. But, uh, it doesn't take a lot of skill uh, to, you know, when, once you have figured out how to drill oil to, uh, you know, to, to get it out of the earth compared to developing the next generation computer chips. I mean, that really takes a lot of, of more value added expertise. And, and so um, we're, in a, we're in a situation where we actually have the talent and uh, we can build the ecosystem uh, to uh, to be one of the leaders in this area. And that's our objective. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I also read um, that you had uh, or were going to meet with former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson here regarding uh, and you and a couple other colleagues there were going to meet regarding Ukraine uh, funding. Uh, what is the your, your what's the feeling with your, you and your colleagues about keeping that that funding for Ukraine going because uh, to bring this back to Taiwan and China again I think China's watching that very closely and I almost feel like they're kind of seeing you know is this going to succeed is because they I feel like they've kind of taken a little bit of a step back and said okay well let's let's see how this is going to go before we try anything with Taiwan so I almost feel like by supporting Ukraine we're also supporting by proxy Taiwan is that is that the way you see it well, that's how the Taiwanese see it. Right. That is also how I see it. Right. The best thing we can do to deter Taiwan or, or the, the Chinese from, from making a run on Taiwan is to stand strong with the Ukrainians. And if standing strong means that we can, you know, turn over many of the resourcing responsibilities and, and, uh, 
intelligence gathering responsibilities to our European allies so that we can focus more directly on the Asia Pacific, that's great. But it is, it's essential now that we, along with the Ukrainians and our NATO allies are in this fight, it's essential we win this fight. And make no mistake, I think there's a, a, a misperception among some that Xi Jinping and the Chinese communists have, have taken a step back from, from Russia uh, and their enthusiasm for this war has, has waned. Uh, I've just been briefed by some high-ranking officials at the National Security Council uh, that, no, in fact, the Chinese continue to provide, you know, extensive financial uh, assistance, tech uh, exports, military assistance, and so forth to the Russians. So uh, they are joined at the hip, mm-hmm. and uh, this is this is one front in a much larger conflict between democratic, free and open societies on one hand, and uh, authoritarian power-driven societies on the other right absolutely um now switching gears here a little bit um when i had a chance to talk to you in july of last year the respect for marriage act was still in the house and it was poised to head to the senate and you were said you were still deciding on how to vote Uh, you ended up being one of 12 republican senators to support that bill which ended up passing um, you really stuck your neck out on that, and even you know Senator Braun voted no. Uh, you were censured by the Cass County Republican Party. But why was that vote important to you? Uh, why did you end up supporting it, and what reaction have you received overall? Yeah, well, the, the reaction has been mixed, candidly. Mm-hmm. And but I, you know, I, I was uh, quite, you know, it was quite obvious to me that was going to be the case. This is a, look, this is a, a very challenging issue. And there was a lot of misinformation flying around uh, when Respect for Marriage Act was being debated. There were some, you know, fears, and I understood them from, you know, many of my constituents that school, religious schools tax status or religious non-for-profits tax status would be removed if, if they continued to pursue a mission consistent with their faith. Well, I mean, have you seen any reporting? about the tax status of, of not-for-profits or, or religiously affiliated schools? I, not, not so much. I haven't. Uh, I've, I've seen none. Uh, and I, I, I made the arguments, uh, you know, which is, look, this, is, this has clearly been a culture war issue during my lifetime. Um, this, is, this is a compromise. You know, right now the current law dictated by the Supreme Court of the United States is that uh, gay marriage is the law of the land. It's long been the law. And in the wake of, of that Supreme Court decision, there were a lot of Hoosiers that, that uh, you know, said, all right, we understand full faith and credit. If another state uh, recognizes a marriage, the Constitution says that other states have to recognize it. They accepted that. But they didn't think it was right that a particular state, its own people, had to recognize a same-sex marriage. Uh, well, I was able to get, along with my colleagues, language into this Respect for Marriage Act that I would argue advanced religious liberty. But if 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 uh, if, they, if Supreme Court ever overturned its finding that gay marriage is the law of the land, state of Indiana would not have to recognize same-sex marriages. Uh, wouldn't have to sanction them under state law. So it was, it was a compromise. Uh, those who 
had concerns with the Supreme Court's decision, had that to look at. Uh, those who are concerned that the Supreme Court was going to overturn their, their marriages under current law, they, they were given something, they were given certainty that uh, those would always be recognized. And this took away the issue. And it would no longer be a subject of, of debates or, or, or conversations. Um, in, in fact, it would, it would put the issue firmly where the vast majority of Americans think it should be, which is to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so um, that's where we are. Um, I, I really appreciated all the feedback I got from Hoosiers. A lot of people said, oh, this is amazing. Our side won. The other side, no, it's, it's horrible. Our side. I wouldn't say anyone got everything they wanted, but I would say the worst case scenarios, none have been realized. In fact, there's been no news. <laughs> there's been no news about this. Mm-mm. So for those who subscribe to the mass email list that, you know, frankly, are oftentimes designed to fundraise for their for their own organizations, mm-hmm. um, I'd ask them to rethink. I'd ask them to rethink whether they were sold a bill of goods, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people were. Um, right. I, so, I, yeah, I was there. There was a, a vote to disapprove of, of uh, what I did. I had one vote throughout the state of Indiana. I represent 7 million people. Um, if I have a dozen people who I love and respect who vocalize some opposition um, and it happens to make Newsweek, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. And uh, I had a chance also to talk to Governor Holcomb in 2021 and I had asked him about uh, cannabis uh, being listed. He, well, we talked about how we were surrounded by states that have either, you know, Illinois and Michigan being recreational and Ohio being uh, medical, and, and his uh, point was that with it still being Schedule One drug federally, he didn't pick laws to uphold and ignore, is the way he put it. And uh, also in October 2022, President Biden asked the DOJ and the HHS to investigate downgrading the federal status of cannabis. Uh, would you be in support of that type of change? Because I think a lot of the states are kind of looking at the federal government to make some kind of move in that regard before they do anything, Indiana being one of them, of course. Yeah, listen, uh, Rob, this is not an unimportant issue, which is why you've asked about it. And I have constituents who who do care about this issue. Um, It's certainly not, as I look across all Hoosiers, it's it's not their first or even second order priority. I mean, they're concerned about China. uh, They're concerned about taxes are concerned about the quality of their schools. They're concerned about, you know, frankly, the stuff that I've chosen to spend a lot of time on. Um, I don't think uh, that this is something that Congress writ large is is, uh, prepared to act on in in the real short term. But in the meanwhile, I think we should be preparing for those debates by ensuring that we, we open up the floodgates for more research more authoritative research. It's not politicized. And, and so, I've, for example, I've asked the uh, Veterans Administration to do more research in this area as a debate around, you know, our, our, our brave veterans and the glaucoma some of them have and whether or not they should receive, be able to smoke marijuana for medicinal purposes as, as that plays out. Um, I am, I'm especially open to uh, discussing this within the context of, of, you know, pot as medicine, if in fact the evidence shows that uh, under certain circumstances it can be an effective uh, medicinal remedy to some problems, uh, I'm less 
you know, inclined to embrace it for recreational purposes, just because uh, that's not been a priority of my constituents. Uh, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll work with uh, the governor and other state leaders as we kind of think through this and and uh, figure out what, what my constituents' priorities are. Right, right. Um, now, we're coming into the last few minutes here, and you've been a great sport, and I appreciate you again taking this last time. Um, sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question that I'm sure you're not going to tell me the answer to, but President Trump did just an- uh, announce he was endorsing Jim Banks to take over Senator Braun's uh, seat as uh, he moves to try to run for governor next year. Do you have any thoughts about who you'd like to see run for your uh, colleague there in the Senate from Indiana for next year? Do I have any thoughts about what? Who I'd like to be who running? You'd like to, yeah, who you'd like to be running or who you'd support? No, listen, I, I, I'm not going to volunteer any thoughts about that. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I'll visit with anyone who uh, decides to run. I've got a good relationship, for the record, with Jim Banks. Um, I uh, also have a good relationship with former former Governor Daniels, uh, who who decided this wasn't the right job for uh, him at this time in his life. Um, and I have good relationships with others uh, who have been mentioned as as potentially being interested in running for this seat. But the one thing that Hoosiers can be uh, assured of is that whomever uh, I'm serving with. Uh, as, as U.S. Senator for Indiana, I will work hard to make sure that is a productive and constructive relationship and, and uh, there'll be a seamless transition between, uh, you know, Senator Braun's departure and, um, and, and this person swearing in. Right. Um, what, is there any other projects uh, or uh, kind of bills that you are really going to be pushing this, uh, this term as we get going here? I know you just came back uh, into Washington last week here and and you're getting started but what were your main priorities? Yeah, I mean they're, the they're actually I've always got tons of priorities here informed right. by Hoosiers needs but research and development provisions in our tax code I mean we are a really manufacturing intensive state and so we disproportionately depend on on these sorts of incentives uh, for innovation uh, also big to our farmers and in agribusiness our life sciences industry so that's one provision um, non-compete agreements um, it is uh, it, it inhibits wage growth, entrepreneurship, and human freedom uh, to prevent people from leaving jobs because of employment contracts uh, that uh, prevent them from doing so and going to work for their competitors. So uh, if we're going to have at-will employment in this country, which is where an employer can, infl- can fire an employee uh, for whatever reason, you know, within limits uh, that the employer wants, we ought to allow employees to go work for whomever they want or to start their own business. Uh, and, and, and so uh, I'll be championing this along with my colleague, Senator Chris Murphy. Housing affordability uh, is a, a major public policy issue, along with child care that I started working on several years ago. And under the belief that there was uh, room for a Republican voice on these issues, with government increasing the costs of these uh, goods and services unnecessarily. So I'll continue to uh, work on those issues from a free market perspective. And there are plenty of other things, but I, I just wanted to give your listeners a, a sense that I came here to do work, not just to give speeches and, and uh, appear on Fox News at night. And um, uh, I will continue to work and, until uh, the end of my service. 
Great, great. Well, uh, last question I always ask on my podcast is, what music have you been listening to lately? Oh, you know, that's a good question. So I, I and I've got pretty eclectic tastes, uh, but <laughs> before I go to bed at night, uh, I've been listening to The Wall nice. by Pink Floyd. Just, yeah, one good. of the best albums of all time. And for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of guitar music and, and mm -hmm. what have you, but it's soothing to me. So mm. I'll just kind of put that on uh, late at night and um, gets me in the mood to sleep. Good that one. psychedelic dimension to uh, Pink Floyd, I guess. And, oh, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. For those who haven't dusted it off in um, a decade or two, uh, give it another try. <laughs> absolutely. No, I, that one song, Time, I love so much. So good. Uh, I mean, the whole album's great, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's the best-selling album of all time, so I'm sure people know about it. But, uh, <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's a great album. Good pick. Well, uh, thank you again for taking all this time to talk, and I really appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime. So. Thanks a bunch, Rob. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah.